What's up, church? Glad you are here. I know that video might not make you feel that excited and celebratory, but I believe we are like that because the engagement level is really, really high at our church these days. Welcome to part two of Anxious for Nothing. Come on, can you help me welcome all of the campuses? Talking about New Hope, Kenya, Hillsboro, Wake Forest, Garner, Sanford, Columbia, online, Durham campus. So, so glad you are here today. Hey, we've got some campuses that have already filled up, but just one last time we're going to be able to announce this, maybe at a few campuses next week, but rooted, rooted, rooted. You want to go ahead and sign up ASAP for our rooted discipleship uh, curriculum. It is an incredible journey. Text Get Rooted to 59769 or do it on your website uh, later, but we would love, love, love to have you for that. It is getting ready to start, and you don't want to miss it. So last week, we kicked off this brand new series, Anxious for Nothing. And you might recall, just by way of review, in the very beginning, I laid out some of the reasons that I thought, it was my opinion, not biblical, some of the reasons that I thought anxiety is at an, at an all-time high in our country these days. I shared with you that for women, it's the number one issue that they struggle with. For men, we say it's number two, probably number one. But you'll remember that I highlighted certain things like the correlation between our attempt to remove God from the public square, if you will, and the spike in anxiety. I talked about the fact that we are less socially connected than ever. We're on our phones, we're on Netflix, we're on all of those things. I talked about the fact that as we get on social media, the tendency and the temptation is to compare ourselves to others, and comparison drives anxiety, so be very, very careful with that. And I talked about the way in which because we are all so connected, the heart and the mind can't process all of the tragedies that are coming at us left and right. So I encouraged you to take control of your phone. Limit your time, maybe cut off your notifications, put your phone down for a while. I'm telling you, it is related. But if you missed week one, I can't say much more except go back and check it out. The verse that we've been looking at is Philippians 4, 6. Out loud, all of our campuses, come on, let's read it together. Ready, go. Be anxious for nothing. One more time. Be anxious for nothing. Now, I shared how that verse doesn't mean that you should never be anxious. To be anxious is to be human. Don't beat yourself up on it. The, the verse and what we're teaching here, when you study this particular verse in the present active tense of the Greek, the command is not don't ever be anxious. The command is don't live in a perpetual state of anxiety. And this is where a lot of people live. Maybe that's why you're so engaged in this series. Maybe that's what you're up against. I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. I get it. But I'm telling you, this word that we're looking at over the course of four weeks is going to set many of us free from anxiety. Amen? The word for anxiety is marina. It's not spelled like a boat marina, but that's how you say it. It actually means to have our mind divided in hundreds of different directions. God wants your heart and your mind and your life focused solely on him. 
Satan knows that if he can get your mind divided thinking about all these other things and get you anxious, he's going to possibly win the battle for your heart, your mind, your soul, and your very life. Again, we looked at this last week, but it's worth repeating. It's such a good quote. Max Lucado put it brilliantly. He said, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. That's what we are learning in this series. And I am believing that God is going to deliver so many of us from the prison of anxiety. I also said, and again, it's worth repeating, I'm probably gonna say this every single week because it's just, it's just a message that the church has gotten wrong. Many of you have been taught that depression or anxiety is taboo, and if you struggle with it, you are a bad person. And I just wanna set the record straight. Listen, if you struggle with those things, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. That means you're a human and that is what we have to deal with in life. And God's word comes along and it helps us. So if you need help, if you need therapy, some cases you might need medication. Just be wise, be selective, but be gracious with yourself. It is a physical issue for many of us, but what I'm camping out on is the fact that it is a spiritual issue. Anxiety is a deep, deep spiritual issue issue. Now, last week, we started out with celebrate. Everybody say celebrate. celebrate. We talked about that, and, and I said this. The first thing you do to change your response to anxiety is celebrate what's true about God. And then I said this. Peace is found between the pillars of trusting in God's goodness and in control. And we put some pillars up here, and I just want to say to you, you, this series is going to build week after week after week. Keep telling yourself when the anxiety level goes up, anchor yourself, firmly plant yourself between these two theological truths, namely God is good and God is in control. And I confessed last week how I, I never have a problem envisioning that God is good. Where I tend to struggle is when I wonder sometimes if God is in control because the world seems so out of control. That might be how you are, or you might be the other way around. But I said, um, I had two things in my notes last week that I left off due to time, and I want to go ahead and hit them, and then we're going to jump right in today. If you believe God is good, but not in control, you'll always try and take control which leads to anxiety. That's why if you have control freak tendencies, anxiety levels can go up. But conversely so, if you believe God is in control but not good, you'll grow to dislike and become distant from God, which also leads to anxiety. So again, you want to anchor yourself. You want to stomp anxiety out by planting yourself firmly between these two pillars of truth. Are you ready for the word, church? All right, Philippians chapter four. Challenging you to memorize this entire passage of scripture, but the word says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So here's where we're going today. Hopefully you got your Bibles open, highlighters, pen, whatever the case may be. Verse six, out loud, all of our campus locations. Ready? Go. Be anxious for nothing, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul tells us clearly, when you are anxious, you will either turn to prayer or despair. When you are anxious, you will turn to prayer or despair. Listen in. The apostle Paul, who is in prison, facing the very strong likelihood of being beheaded by Nero, he's there and he's saying, turn to God in prayer. I put it like this in my notes. Peace is found on the path paved with prayer. Read that with me, church. Come on, ready? Go. Peace is found on the path paved with prayer. Can I ask you something? When you feel anxious, is God the first person you turn to for help? And I'm gonna let that just sit there for a moment. Because if you're anything like me, it's seasons in my life, it can be quite convicting. If week one, the focus was celebrate, and it's gonna build every week, which is why I said last week, if you should be anxious about anything, it would be missing a Sunday of this series. Last week was celebrate. Celebrate what? The pillars of truth about God. Celebrate who God is and the truth of who he is that will bring down your anxiety. Here's week two, ask. In other words, ask in prayer. Now for many of us, very honestly, this has been me at times, prayer is often the last option we turn to in our defense against anxiety. Don't miss that confession. In times past, when I was most anxious, getting up every morning at 3 a.m. for long periods of time, prayer was sometimes my last defense mechanism against anxiety. And don't miss this. And when I did pray, I often prayed in a way that was not effective. And you're like, what are you talking about? Isn't all prayer effective? Yeah, I guess you could say so, but I'm about to teach you something today that I hope will forever change the way you pray. Paul gets very specific with us today, and he lets us know that there is a way to pray that will help bring down the anxiety in our lives. And some of you, just, just being honest with you, because I know this is the case for some of you because it's been the case with me at times. Some of you have given up on prayer 
for anxiety. And you've given up on it. Come on, because you just don't think it works. Or you're just so sick of being told by Christians or some pastors like me, just pray harder. You know, you're anxious. The bottom's falling out. Just pray harder. Don't talk about it. Just pray, just pray. And you've kind of given up on the whole prayer thing. Can I just challenge you for a moment today with that thinking? If prayer doesn't work for anxiety, why did Paul tell us to use it? Secondly, if prayer doesn't work for anxiety, why did Jesus pray in the midst of his most anxious times like Gethsemane? If prayer doesn't work, why is it that the Bible is chock full of insight and challenge for the people of God to combat anxiety with prayer? Why? If you're frustrated with prayer, if it just hasn't helped you, if you've given up on praying, please take a deep breath today. Hear me out. Better yet, hear God's word out. Verse six of Philippians chapter four and let God teach you a new way to pray. In other words, could it be could it be that it's not that prayer doesn't work in our fight against anxiety? Could it be that we have just missed precisely how to pray against anxiety? Maybe an illustration will help. Uh, in a church our size, I'm, I would imagine there are a lot of people here who can swim, and there are a lot of people here who cannot swim. And you might recall last week I talked about how, you know, as parents, we sometimes get frustrated when we, when we get our kids on the side of the pool and we, we're, we're coaxing them in all gently and nicely and, and then after they don't come for a while, we can get quite frustrated. Um, some of you grew up like I did and the way you were taught to swim is you were just hurled into the pool. I don't recommend that. That's not good parenting. Do not do that. But I will tell you that as I have uh, loved water my whole life, I grew up in the lakes of South Carolina and the beaches of South Carolina and I just love to swim there have been many times along the way where I have been around people who cannot swim. And, and I've heard them say things like, you know, swimming just doesn't work for me. And then I've watched them get in the water and I've watched them try to swim and I've wanted to say to them, but I usually have not said to them, it's not that swimming does not work for you. It's that you aren't swimming the right way. Have you ever seen somebody try to swim and they just aren't swimming the right way and they're doing it all wrong and they're flailing around and they're going under the water? It can be quite scary. But in many cases, it's not that swimming doesn't work. It's that the way they are swimming is not working. The same is true, come on, for prayer. Maybe you've never heard this talk today, so lean in closely. I would dare say to you, based upon Paul's word to the church today, that it's not that prayer does not work against the fight of anxiety, it's that quite often we are not praying the right way. Look at the scriptures, verse six. Verse six, out loud, ready? Go. By prayer and petition... With thanksgiving, present 
your requests to God. Write this down in your teaching notes, PPR. PPR. I'm gonna unpack that. Underneath that in your teaching notes, I want you to write these three words. It's straight from verse six. Prayer, petition, requests. Again, prayer, petition, requests. All three are Greek words for prayer that Paul strategically strings along to us in a row. Prochehe, DCs, and Idame. I know that doesn't mean much of anything, but these are the Greek words. Prochehe, it's an approach to prayer. It's an approach that basically says to God, with confidence, I know you, God, can help. So it's coming to God in the midst of our, our anxiety and boldly proclaiming, God, I know who you are. I know your character. I know you're good. I know you're in control. And I know you can help me fight anxiety. Petition, DCA. It's admitting, confessing, God, I need your help. It's actually taking the time to humble yourself when the anxiety just continues to spike and you have the shortness of breath and you can't sleep. It's humbling yourself and just admitting, confessing, God, I need you. And here is the last but really important point. Request, Adame. This is a definite and, listen, write it in, specific ask for something definite and specific. Let me say it again. It is a definite and specific ask for something definite and specific. There's a progression here that makes a huge difference in our fight against anxiety. What am I talking about here? I'm talking about the difference between general prayers and specific prayers. If you're anything like me, and again, I'm confessing a lot of stuff in front of you these days. If you're anything like me, I tend to pray these broad, general prayers when I need God. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You need to get specific. Let me show you a diagram that we put together. This is like a bullseye, if you will. This out in the far ranges of this bullseye you might consider would be no prayers. I mean, you're just, you don't pray, you don't ever talk to God, and, and you, you know, you're not gonna get much from God in that, that sense. Then you, as you get closer, you've got general prayers, which I can pray some really good general prayers. What God has taught me, though, over the years is when it comes to fighting the, the spiritual issues of anxiety, I need to go right at the bullseye and I need to pray specific prayers to God. Specific prayers to God. You have to get ultra specific. You, you don't just say, hey, God, help me. You tell God exactly what you are anxious about and specifically what you need from him. I mean, you take the time to get painstakingly specific. Now, if you were evaluating your prayer life, where do most of you live? Right here, where, where would you live? Just, this is just between you and God. You don't have to answer out loud. Would you be a person like you hardly ever pray? Or would you pray general prayers? Would you pray some specific prayers? Or might God lead you today 
to start aiming right for that bullseye. Parents in the house will understand this. Um, when you have kids and they're really, really upset and they're anxious, they'll run up to you and they'll start trying to, to, to share with you what's going on and they're so in distress that you can't make out a thing that they're saying, you don't understand them and they're not really even telling you what they need and what do you say as a good dad? Or what do you say as a good mom? Here's what you say. Here's what you say. You say, hey, slow down. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Calm down. Here's what we all say. Haven't we said this if you're a parent? Use your words. <laughs> slow down. Use your words and tell me what you need. If you're a parent of teenagers, the same is true. I mean, they walk in the house. You can tell they're down. They've had a bad day. You say, hey, what's going on? What they typically say is nothing. And you know that nothing never really means nothing. And you keep probing and you keep asking. And before long, you get them to open up. The same is true for marriage. When, you're, when you come in and you've had a bad day and your spouse asks you, hey, what's going on? Guys, we're so guilty of this. Nothing. And your wife knows there is a lot going on. You have to use your words to parent your children, for your children to communicate to you. You have to use your words to have a healthy marriage and communicate with your spouse. And you need to use your words to communicate to your heavenly father who wants to bless you and pull you out of the despair of anxiety. Which, by the way, since I'm talking about marriage for just a moment here, don't miss, go ahead and mark your calendars and go ahead and register for the XO Marriage Conference coming up. A little time out here. This is really, really important. Marriage Conference, February 14th and 15th, right here at the Durham campus. We're inviting all of you from all of the other campuses to descend on the Durham campus. We've got a great guest speaker, Clayton King, coming in and his wife. It's going to be awesome. We all need help in Marriage And communication is one of those things that we struggle with. And we all need help in learning how to pray. And again, communication is what many of us struggle with. Paul says it. One more time. Look at it. Be anxious for nothing, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The Bible says God already knows what we need before we ask. So some of you are sitting there wondering, then why do I need to get specific? Why do I need to take the time to specifically list out to God what I need? I'm gonna ask you a question. What if, what if us giving specific requests isn't just for God's benefit, but for ours? Think about that for a moment. What if it's not for God? God knows what we need. What if the benefit was for us? Open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. You can put a little place mark there in Philippians 4, but Mark 10 has this amazing passage that's actually going to amplify what Paul is teaching us here in Philippians 4. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus encounters a blind man. Most of you have probably read this passage before. In Mark 10, 46, the Bible says a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. 
Now, come on, just another time out, if you will. Think about how much anxiety must come over a person who has to sit by the roadside begging and they're blind. Just imagine that for a moment. And all of a sudden, you hear that that Jesus, the miracle worker, is passing by. Look at what verse 47 says. He began to shout, Bartimaeus that is, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Look at verse 48a. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. By the way, don't miss this. What many will tell you with anxiety is just be quiet. That's what the church has said for many, many years. When it comes to any of these hard issues, we sometimes have said, hey, just shh, just pray harder. Just, just be quiet. And that's what they told Bartimaeus. Hey, just, just be quiet. The Bible says they rebuked him. Look at this next verse, 48b. But he shouted, he basically said, yeah, forget you. I've been waiting a long time for Jesus to come by. He shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Now I want you to picture him. Anxiety's high. He's yelling over and over, son of David, have mercy on me. He's, he's putting all his hope and his prayers in Jesus. Now watch this, verse 50. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet. Until this point in time, Bartimaeus had been down, maybe on his knees, maybe sitting on his bottom. We're not quite sure. He jumps to his feet, and he comes to Jesus, probably just following him by sound. He gets to Jesus, and watch what Jesus asks Blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. Now, question, do you think Jesus knew what he wanted him to do? Of course he did. But Jesus is asking him, just like with us, he knows what we need before we even ask. But the point of the passage this morning is there's something very powerful and profound when we come to God and we take the time and we put in the effort to specifically, I mean, drill down on exactly what it is we need from Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. Imagine what this guy is thinking. Imagine what the disciples are thinking, the ones who just tried to quiet him down. Jesus, did you you miss that this guy is blind? Of course Jesus didn't miss it, but Jesus wanted him to articulate it. And look at verse 52. Don't miss this, church. The blind man said, Jesus, I want to see. Jesus, I want to see. It's an unbelievable truth of Scripture that something powerful happens between a person when they communicate to their Heavenly Father exactly what they need. I put it like this in my notes. Jot this down. The more you pray specifically, the more God can ease your anxiety. Come on, church. The more you pray specifically, the more God 
can ease your anxiety. So let me just tell you a few reasons in closing why this is so powerful to pray specifically. Number one, a specific prayer request helps us get to the root issue or issues. Write in the word root. A specific prayer request helps us get to the root issues. I put this one first because I actually believe it's the most important one. I actually believe it's one of the biggest reasons God wants us to pray specifically about anxiety. You see, when we feel anxious, we never name exactly what we're anxious about. And because anxiety is a future fear, it can be quite foggy. It can be undefined, if you will. Or we think it's one thing and, and we really miss what's going on beneath the surface, what's happening really on the inside of us. This is, this is often called emotional IQ. It took me many years to start to realize that I needed to probe beneath the surface, strip away some secondary issues or some secondary emotions and actually do the hard work that is needed to get down deep in what was going on inside of me. For example, I was, I was um, maybe as a result of how I was raised and some things that I went through, and I don't say any of that as excuses. I think excuses are, are flimsy and cheap, but I, I grew up um, with a default emotion of anger. And so whenever things would happen to me when I was young, I would rage in anger. And then as I became a Christian and, and became an adult, I used to think for a while that anger was the issue. And what I have come to actually realize is that anger is almost never the issue. It's a secondary emotion. And so I've learned in the years to actually probe beneath the surface to really figure out what's going on. And usually there's stuff there like insecurities or there's stuff like feelings of abandonment or betrayal, root causes that were causing me some of the problems that I was having. Another example you could say is that, God, I really feel anxious about work right now. Maybe, maybe you're here and you just feel anxious about your job. That is a general prayer. Remember the bullseye? Get specific with it. Maybe you really don't feel anxious about your work. You feel anxious about a big project that is looming over your head and that you know that if you don't knock it out of the park, you will look like a failure and can possibly lose your job. You see what I'm saying? Get very, very specific with your prayers. Number two, a specific prayer is a serious prayer. A specific prayer is a serious prayer. Think about it this way. Think about when you run into people out in the public. If you're anything like me, you run, in, you run into people that you know, and sometimes you haven't seen them in a while, and you connect. And, and one of you might say, just to kind of ease the tension and maybe move on, you might say, hey, let's hang out sometime. Now, it, again, if you're anything like me, when, when folks say that, it almost never happens. But if they were to say, hey, what do you say we hang out Friday night at 7 p.m.? I'll grill out some steaks, twice baked potatoes, and asparagus, glory to God, hallelujah. That's probably gonna happen. Because it's specific. 
Specific prayers are serious prayers. Specific communication tends to happen. Number three, a specific prayer grows your faith in the goodness of God. If you pray a generic prayer and God comes through, you may be tempted to not give God the credit for it. You might, you might chalk it up as good luck or coincidence, and we know it's not, but, but we do that. But when you pray a specific prayer and God comes through and answers and delivers that prayer request, there is no denying that God is on the throne and he has moved mightily on your behalf. There's something powerful about specific prayers and when God answers them, we give God all the glory and the praise. And lastly, this is key, a specific prayer can lead you to a specific passage of Scripture. Now, hear me. This is continuing to challenge you, if you are a new hoper, to grow up in your faith, to mature spiritually in 2020. Quit seeing faith as a Sunday morning thing. Give your whole life to God. Get in prayer and get in the Scriptures. And when you start to mature in your faith, you start to see that your prayer life and your scripture life intercepts. And I'm telling you, there is power in that. This is huge. And it actually started to radically change my life about 20 years ago when my mentor started teaching me to pray scripture. Here's what I mean by that. Here's what you do. You find a promise in scripture that fits your need, your problem, your anxiety, which I've already said. Get specific there. And you make a specific prayer out of it. You get specific, what's going on beneath the surface. You start getting to the root of what is happening in your life. You find a verse of scripture or a passage of scripture that speaks out of God's word to that particular need. You turn it into a prayer and you start praying God's word back to God. And there is unbelievable power in that. And some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, how do you find the verses for that? Listen, guys, it is 2020. There is this thing called Google. You can Google needs and anxiety and whatever it is you have and then just throw on the end of it in the Bible and you will be inundated with all the scripture you can handle. Find a promise in Scripture that fits your need, your problem, your anxiety, and make a specific prayer request out of it. The more you pray specifically, the more God can and will ease your anxiety. And let me end with one final question. Is there any chance that some of you I've given up on prayer as the first line of defense in anxiety. If you've given up on prayer, can I just challenge you for the rest of 2020 to pray differently? 
Can I just challenge you to get alone with God and start praying specifically? Take the time that you need. Understand you may be anxious about one thing and eventually realize it's something completely different. But then take that to the Lord in prayer. Become a person who runs to God as your first line of defense against the enemy of anxiety. Commune with your God. Get into the word and start praying scripture back to God. I'm telling you, there's something powerful happens when you start when you start praying God's word back to God, reminding God as if he needs reminding. I know he doesn't, but reminding, hey God, you said this, God. I'm gonna claim that. I'm gonna believe you. I'm gonna trust you. This is what I need. And if you will just change the way you pray, I believe God will ease your anxiety and you will get on the victory side of this thing and you will be able to live out what Paul is saying to us, be anxious for nothing. Whatever you do, don't live in a perpetual state of anxiety. Can I pray over you today as we wrap up? With all heads bowed and eyes closed, I just wanna pray a prayer of peace over you. Father, I thank you for the folks who have gathered at all of our campuses today or who are online, God, and, and they're really leaning in to this topic of anxiety. God, it's big, it's overwhelming, it's hard. And sometimes when we get into it, God, we just start spinning and we really don't know how to come out of it. And Father, I pray, Philippians 1, 6, over them. I pray, oh God, that being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Father, would you do a great work in our church, God, and in every single person who is here today. God, I pray that you would lift the anxiety God, I pray that they would start practicing this formula that Paul gives us here in Philippians 4, God, this PPR formula. Father, I pray that you would help us pray specifically, Father, that we would pray our petitions and our requests to you, God, that we would follow this progression that Paul gives us, God, and that as we do, we would be able to declare that we are anxious for nothing, not that we will never experience such anxiety, but oh God, we will claim these truths in scriptures. We will pray specifically and we will experience deliverance, freedom from anxiety. May it be so, oh God, today. May it be so always in the lives of these, my friends. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.